Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we've got Season 7, Episode 13, Gift Wrapped. Mary, what happened this week? Donna organizes a friend group plus Nat and Joan gift exchange. There's a $50 limit, and what they don't spend, they can donate together. Mark goes to the Caribbean, and Kelly's dad comes into town, except he actually doesn't, but uh, somebody does. Also, she gets partnered up with Val for the gift exchange, and she's less than enthusiastic. Val buys Kelly something really nice, but then hears that Kelly hasn't shopped for her at all. She tries to return her gift, but she can't get her money back. So, she donates it to a xylophone-playing donation collector. But then she hears Kelly did go shopping for her, so she tries to get her gift back. Good thing the xylophone lady is still there and still has that sweater she bought for Kelly. But instead, Val ends up giving Kelly a magical gift-wrapped present from the xylophone lady. David wants to smooth things over with Donna's family after that disastrous dinner from last week, so he asks Mel to invite Felice and Dr. Dad to their planned wedding, not din- wow, wedding. <laughs> what the fuck? Felice would like that, though. We know what Mary wants. <laughs> I want a four-way wedding with Dr. Dad, Felice, Mel, and Jackie. <laughs> I'm going to just start that over. (laughs) David wants to smooth things over with Donna's family after the horrible dinner last week. So he asks Mel to invite Felice and Dr. Dad to their planned dinner with Donna and Jackie. Felice says every wrong thing you could think to say and then some and then tries to leverage a non-apology to David to get Donna to sit with her at the Christmas pee pad brunch. Steve and Claire introduce Arnold Arnold to Samantha Sanders, and they get along a little too well. Brandon and Tracy agonize over what gifts to give each other because they still aren't sure what they are to each other, but at least they're both on the same page about that. I just cannot get over how contractually obligated Nat Busiccio ends up in a gift exchange with a bunch of 20-year-olds. I mean, honestly, though, it's, like, kind of nice because you get a family, you know? Like, you like because he just has little Frankie and, and a Joan. wife and three stepchildren. Well, sure, <laughs> but it isn't clear that Joan is overly close to her children, Except for that one daughter that showed up to the wedding, I think. But he can kind of be like surrogate grandfather slash surrogate dad because he also has a baby son. So it's a weird dynamic thing to these youths. (laughs) And witness shenanigans at the same time without having to be directly like involved. You know, he can be selectively involved. I just think it's so funny that... You know, they're at the beginning, they're at the peach pit talking about exchanging presents. And Donna's like, oh my gosh, I have a fun game that we can play, which is not a game. It's just secret Santa, but not secret. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't actually ask anyone if they want to be involved, including Nat and Joan. Like, right. I just kind of imagine 
when they walk over and be like, all right, Nat, you have to get a present for Steve and tell Joan she has to get a present for David. I would just be like, "Mm, no, thank you. I also think it's amazing how we have a perfect, even number of people. Like, because we, to your point, we could have easily done without Nat and Joan and still been fine. So. Yeah. Like, I guess that's why I don't understand why they were involved with this. Like, yeah, I don't know. They always show up on holidays. It's fine. I was just like, but why? I also just really wish it had been Secret Santa and not everybody knows Santa. (laughs) Yeah. At first, I thought it was Secret Santa. And then, like, I think Steve might be the first one that picks and is immediately just like, Nat. And then everyone down the line. And I was like, okay, but, like, how does this work? Because Brandon picked one up and it said Tracy and was just like, oh, we got each other. Like, I was confused that they only had half the names in the pile and the other half of the people collected i don't know oh that's a good point yeah that's a good point it was so unclear to me until they passed out presents at the end of this episode sure and of course by the end of it like we knew by the end of the scene that it was going to be kelly and val paired together and even though i knew it even though i knew without a shadow of a doubt it was coming I wanted it, and I'm happy it happened. (laughs) I was so happy. And then for the rest of the episode with Val being like, I should just get her kitty litter. Right, or I need to go to the hardware store to get a broom. (laughs) I loved it. It was perfect. I have no problems with any of it. Even when she finally gives up and buys a nice present and then is like, well, I'm going to go return it now. Like, yeah. It's so funny to me that – Valerie is the one throughout the episode to be overthinking this, right? Like she didn't want to come off as the one who let bygones be bygones and, you know, you know, buried the hatchet or whatever. She could not not be at the same level of hatred as Kelly, regardless of what happened. And the entire now granted, Kelly had many other things to think about, but she she didn't think about it for one second. She went shopping for one day and was like, ugh, I didn't get anything. Oh, well, my dad's in town or not in town. (laughs) I think my favorite thing about Kelly is she's always just too busy. She's like, I have my own shit going on. I don't have time to worry about you. Whatever. Right. It's very much like the Mad Men um, elevator scene where the one guy is like, I hate you. And John Hamm's like, I don't think about you at all. (laughs) I Like, seriously, if those words came out of Valerie and Kelly – I'd believe it in an instant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, speaking of that, the next scene we get is Tracy and Val shopping together, which, like, interesting pairing, not upset about it. Yeah, they've been, like, subtly putting them together ever since. um, What was the first scene we saw them together? Oh, it was the pregnancy thing where Tracy Mm. was, like, talking to her about the whole, you know, fake pregnancy thing. And ever since then, we've had short little teeny tiny scenes with them together. Yeah, they're shopping together, and Tracy doesn't want to give Brandon the wrong impression. Val clearly doesn't want to give Kelly the wrong impression, but is not saying it in so many words. And then they go past the Salvation Army lady, who, like, I saw her on screen, and I was like, oh my god, I just saw her. What is she from? And I, like, went to IMDb. I was convinced that we had talked about it on this podcast, and that she was like, playing a second 90210 character Mm. but no she's the penis head demon lady from the double meat palace 
and Mrs. Cassini from Gilmore Girls. And while I was scrolling on IMDb, I saw her on Gilmore Girls. And I was like, yes, this is the conversation we had. Where is she from? You yep. had to keep scrolling she's, down. She's very much like a character actor, like been in literally everything. Yeah. And it's so funny. I was like, man, she looks exactly the same in 1990. What year were you on? Seven? I think we're still in six. Six? Yeah. 1996, as she did a little bit later in, like, in Buffy and then even a little bit more later in Gilmore Girls. So this was like her peak time, I guess. Yeah, it just like totally threw me off. I was like, why have I just talked about her? Mm-hmm. It's because she's in season six of Buffy. And yeah, okay, so Salvation Army Lady is totally Mrs. Claus, right? Like we're doing that thing again. For sure. Yeah, she makes a comment later on, and I'm like, okay, we're, you know, we can't have a Christmas episode in Beverly Hills without some sort of like magic. Angels on high, or Mm -hmm. yeah, a homeless man being Santa, or whatever. Exactly. Oh, little interjection here. I am sorry to say that Miss Pat Crawford Brown, who played Mrs. Cassini in the Double Me Palace Lady, passed away in 2019. Oh. But she was 90 years old, so she had a very nice long life. And she clearly had a fulfilling acting career because we've seen her in so many things. And had clearly a very, like, illustrious and and also familiar career, right? Like, we recognized her immediately, so. I love character actors. Like Me too. I feel like, not that I have any sort of talent whatsoever, but if that was a career I would be in, that's the kind of actor I'd want to be. Like, I don't want to lead a show, even though I know that gives you, like, security and whatnot. I'd want to be the character actor that's in everything, doing all the stuff. Again, it's like the mild level of fame, right? It's like, you want to be famous enough to constantly be working, but not famous enough to where you're recognized everywhere and you have a lot more on your shoulders and all that good stuff. Yeah, I want the mild level of fame that gets me to hit the spike on a Wednesday Atlanta United game. <laughs> exactly. Not the level of fame where I can't leave my house because people notice me. Mm-hmm. We do get – I'm just going to continue the Tracy and Val thing because this kind of gets like a little split up from here because we get another scene with them where they're like in a department store – trying to pick out presents. It seems like Tracy's already bought stuff. Val's still looking for Kelly. And I do love that she picks up the sweater and is like, I can't buy it for her. She'll look too good in it. Right. And then it ends up being the sweater that she bought her later. Mm -hmm. Like Val secretly wants to be friends. Like they hate each other too much and it's too good. But like she did try and buy her a sweater that would look good on her. See, and I get so much like sexual attention I with mean, this because like Val only comments on like like all of this hate is very much just over the top to the point where it's like, what's really going on here? What what are you shoving down? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not comfortable with my feelings for you, so I'm just gonna be mean to you. Exactly. She was probably even like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Like in her head about Kelly looking too good in this letter. <laughs> and Seriously, imagine if she had actually stuck with the sweater and then she, like, does the gift exchange on Christmas and Tracy's just like, oh, you you bought the sweater. I see. Hmm. 
Hello. Mm-hmm. And Tracy is like intuitive enough to like put things together like that. So Absolutely. And yeah, this is where they come back out and Double Meat Palace, Salvation Army Lady is like, this is probably a good time to let bygones be bygones because she heard Val talking about Kelly being a witch when they were going into the department store. Yeah. And so again, this is just kind of the whole thing that Val does this episode is go back and forth and back and forth on whether or not she wants to buy that sweater for Kelly. And yeah, I think it's pretty much just because Double Meat Palace Lady is like, bygones be bygones. Mm-hmm. Like, be nice. Because it's that's the spirit of Christmas. A random guest star shows up and tells the gang to do a thing, and then the gang does the thing. Exactly. Then we introduce another part of the story where David, like Mary said, like they had that disastrous dinner that they didn't even stay for. Like David and Donna basically met Felice, got real uncomfortable because she sucks, and left. Mm-hmm. But David goes to his dad and is like, hey, I need some advice because, like, I really want to make this work and Felice is a nightmare. And I really love that Mel is just like, yeah, she is. Like, Right? Like, he he has no qualms or to try to even be, like, you know, semi-nice parent. Like, oh, she's not so bad. No, no. He's like, yep, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But he does say he's like okay, you know, we already have a dinner planned. We'll invite them along too. Like maybe having a buffer of like all of the family will help. Mm -hmm. And I really do love David asking Mel for advice for many reasons. Number one, David and Mel have had some rocky, you know, weather lately. Like it's not been all sunshine and rainbows for them lately. So this is a good way for David to show that he cares about what Mel thinks and values his opinion and it's an opportunity for mel to be able to help david without having to be the one to force it on david or something like that and so and i love that it's about donna you know this is Mm -hmm. this is kind of stuff that we don't really see a whole lot of david doing for donna we see a lot of david i'm sorry donna kind of like um bending or accommodating david in some ways and the fact that david is like well, no, like, you know, I know how important family is to Donna. So even though she's terrible, I want to try to get in with the parents. You know, I Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to make this work for her. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how, you know, it's still early days of David really trying to get his mental health back on track and like, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging how his body works, like with his brain chemistry and everything and like maintaining sobriety and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it does show, like, he and Mel are working to, like, mend fences without really trying to force it. And he's being really mature about his relationship with Donna. Like, it's a good look for David. And I love it. Yeah. And I really love that Donna's excited about it. Like, that he gets to go to her and be like, hey, I'm doing this for you. And, like, yeah, she gets to feel No, 100%. That. Yeah, I mean, even when they're talking about dinner, you know, David's a little hesitant to bring it up at the beach apartment. But Donna's like... No, it'll be it'll be fine. And and David is like, okay, but like for real, what's the deal with your mom? Like, what is there something? Because he asked it in a way that's not like, what's up with your mom? It's more like, how can I? Is is it me? Like, is mm-hmm. is it something I've done to offend her? Like things like that. And Donna does try to say like, it doesn't matter because like she likes him. Doesn't matter what her mom thinks. Like all this stuff. And I'm like. Yes, Donna, that can be true, but also it can also be true that 
clearly Felice is not okay with David, as we find out later. Um, I, I do think there's a lot of, this is very um, typical behavior from a 20 year old or almost 21 year old or 22. I think, I think she turns 22. 22 tomorrow or two days yeah. from now, you know, whatever it is. I think so. Yeah. I think it's very, we saw her being 21. Yes. That's right. That's right. So I think it's extremely like appropriate and typical behavior of a 22 year old to kind of just not excuse Felice's behavior because that's not what she's doing, but almost be like, that's just how she is. She's just like that. Like, don't take Mm -hmm. it personally and, and not call Felice out on it. Right. Like, I mean, it takes a very long time for a child to be able to call out their parents unless they have built a secure attachment and in a positive relationship with their parent throughout their life. Right. Like clearly Felice is not a safe space for Donna, but Donna doesn't, she almost doesn't want to rock the boat. Like she doesn't want that conflict because she knows it won't end well for her. So why put herself, she can just be like, she's just like that. And then we will just move on with our lives. And Mm -hmm. I get that. Like, that's so relatable. Um, but as we see, you know, over the course of this storyline through this episode, like that fully comes to blows, uh, later yeah. on. Yeah. That evolves quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it literally, I feel like it does start with like, it doesn't matter what my mom thinks, whatever. Like she pissed me off. We walked away from dinner, but like, we're going to try again. It's totally fine. I have faith in this. Then we just get like quick scene after quick scene after quick scene. We're like really trying to set up how everyone is spending Christmas because Mm -hmm. now Steve and Brandon have to go shopping and Brandon is like, well, I just don't know what to buy Tracy because I don't know what we are. And I find it really interesting that they join in, in this like gift exchange, but then don't have a conversation before they buy the gifts of what to buy each other. Like, I think the gift exchange actually worked out really well to kind of take the pressure off of them. And it just so happened they got matched up with each other. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, that first time that you have to buy a present for somebody else and you're like, well, do I go too big or do I go too small? Like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Well, and I do appreciate that's why they set like a spending limit, right? Cause mm-hmm. 50 bucks, like, yeah, I guess technically a bigger gift could cost 50 or a smaller gift could cost 50, but like at least there's parameters so that one person isn't buying a damn bird and the other is buying like I don't know, socks, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I also do want to point out now that you mentioned the $50 that like Donna's comment was everything else that we've saved up for Christmas presents that we're not spending on each other, we should give to charity. And that's very Donna. Love it. What an angel. Also like, damn y'all, like how much money did you have saved for presents? Because I feel like John and I save for the entire year and then have to like set very strict limits for everybody. And we do do these like gift exchanges with friends. Yeah. We've been doing less gifts with friends, but it's the family because we have so many family members because all of our families are blended Mm -hmm. that we end up having to spend so much money. Even if we're getting modest gifts, it's like it adds up quickly. And so I'm like, whew, like imagine – Especially being like Kelly and David, whose like lives are so intertwined at this point that they've got, you know, so many people to get gifts for. It's a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like everyone should get in on this like gift exchange thing. And it's like after like 18, we're done. Like only the kids get gifts. Honestly, if I could convince my mom's side of the family to do that, I would absolutely love it. I would love it. That's what like my entire family does on like every side. It's like the kids get gifts and then like the adults will do like a white elephant or a gift exchange where you get a very specific person and then like stockings. Like Mm -hmm. John's parents can't not get a stockings, but like even then every couple shares a stocking. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of parents, then we see Kelly and find out that her dad called and said that he's in town. Which literally in my notes I wrote, I'll believe it when I see it. And then he no never kidding. shows up. Right? Like, no like, kidding. I mean, even Kelly is like, mm, okay, but, you know, if he is here, I would like to give him a piece of my mind. <laughs> yeah. I love that for her, too. I, I just love that she's being realistic about it, right? It's like not what it was last time where she genuinely was excited to see him and, and all this stuff. It's like she's like, mm, okay, well, maybe he's here. But also if he is, here's my chance. Yeah, she's like, "Mm, I'll show up because, like, I can't not, but I'm Mm -hmm. not going into this expecting anything out of it. 100%. Then we have to go to Steve, who has gone over to Arnold Arnold's house, (laughs) and he got Nat a cookbook signed by Wolfgang Puck himself. And I love that everyone is just like, you got to cook a cookbook? Right? Like... Surely he has other interests than running a peach pit. This is why I don't understand why they included Nat and Joan, because they get bullshit gifts. Yeah. Like, Joan literally gets a gift for being a mother. Like, she gets handkerchiefs so that she can get drool off herself. I know. Like, literally, I had that same thought. I was like, this shows you don't really know their personalities, but you know what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know what they're responsible for. So you're just going to add to it when it's like, if Nat really wanted to try out a new mega burger recipe, he's not going to be getting a new mega burger recipe from a Wolfgang Puck cookbook. And then Joan, like, you don't think she has a million handkerchiefs or whatever. Come on, man. What are their actual interests? Yeah, that's what bothered. I was like, you got her drool towels. Cool. (laughs) You've got I her mean, Kleenexes. <laughs> I guess she probably needed them because, like, if I know anything about parents, they're always like, you can never have enough of everything. Yeah. Which is literally no, the true. only thing I know. But, like, that's not for her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, this is something I wish was in greater circulation now, but especially back then, there's this um, website, and now for the life of me, I can't think of it, but it's kind of like a secret Santa type of website where – you put everybody on the website, do the random draw, and then your little profile, um, you know, gets your person. But then all of your people can have wish lists. So Ooh. they can add things that they like to that wish list. You still have a, a gift limit, like whatever. But then you're like picking stuff that you know your friend will actually like. And it's still going to be a surprise because you can put multiple as many things as you want on that list, right? So you don't just put one thing on it and be like, oh, I'm so surprised. But like in this scenario, I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish that almost like a Santa's list, you know, like everybody like wrote down 10 things that they would really like to have. So that way, in the case of Nat and Joan, you learn a little bit more of what they like outside of the fact that Nat flips burgers and Joan wipes drool. You know, like 
That would just be so helpful. I mean, we do know more than that about Joan. Like, True, she loves lamps. She has her own business. <laughs> what if he was like, I bought you a nightlight? <laughs> Here's some bulbs for all those lamps. <laughs> David, is this why you came into my store last week? <laughs> What if he bought one of her lamps to give her? <laughs> That's what I, I knew you liked it. It was in your store. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that would have put it more thought into it than the jewel napkins. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, ugh, I hate the jewel napkins. We'll get to the gift exchange when we get to the gift exchange. Yeah. Because that happens on Christmas. We still have to talk about Christmas Eve where Arnold Arnold is having his annual faculty party. Mm -hmm. And he invites Steve. Steve's like, oh, I can't go because my mom's in town. And Chancellor Arnold's like, oh, my God, bring your mom. And in my brain, I'm going, everyone freaked out when they found out who Steve's mom was last time we saw this party. Like, yeah, maybe not because they're not going to have any chill. I know. And speaking of having no chill, Chancellor hops a fence to go buy a new tie. He had some sprang in his step. <laughs> Also, fun fact that I learned today after watching this episode. Did you know the actors who play Chancellor Arnold and Samantha Sanders are married? Yeah. What? They're, they're like uh, Feeney and Dean. No, that is so freaking cute. They're married in real life. Oh, I love that. I didn't look up when they got married, so like... I could headcanon this to myself of like they met on this episode, but I'm sure I'm doing like it. I'm they've been there right forever. now. God, that is the cutest thing I've ever heard. Spouse. Oh, 1993. Okay. Oh my God. He also played Shannon Doherty's father on Little House on the Prairie in 1974 and also co starred with her on Beverly Hills 1990. Uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210. Oh my gosh. He's just been everywhere. That's awesome. The Omen 2, Little House on the <laughs> <Yeah>. Prairie. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, he is in in the show universe. He is so excited that Samantha Sanders is going to come to his party. And I kind of wonder if they're going to do like a, you know, Feeney and Dean Bolander thing where they like meet on the show and then get married, even though the actors are married in real life. Like, that would be very cute to me. It would be very cute. I'm for it. Yeah. So chronologically, there is one more thing that happens on this day in the show where Kelly goes to meet her dad for dinner, but he's not there because, of course, he's not. But there is a woman sitting at the table and Kelly is just like, oh, great. He sent his girlfriend to tell me he's not going to be here. And this woman's like, oh, I'm not his girlfriend. I'm your sister. Which, interesting that they throw this in. This, I felt like this was such a bold move mm -hmm. to just, like, if you're Joy and you decide to just go to L.A. the day before Christmas Eve and just be like, hey, I'm your sister. Like Very bold. I don't think there's a good way to do this, but to just show right. up out of nowhere, wild. Well, and especially considering she's around Kelly's age, but she makes a comment later in the episode about, well, if I enroll here in the fall, 
you know, namely CU. So I'm wondering, could she be a freshman? So, you know, is she 18 years old or could she be transferring? You know, we don't know, but I'm like, huh. Also bold if she's only 18. Yeah. I was really trying to figure out the like storyline going on here. And every time random family shows up on this show, I am just like, hide your wallets. I'm sus. I swear to God. Yes. But yeah, I was trying to figure out the timeline because I don't know that we know when Kelly's parents divorced. And we know that like her mom's been married a bunch of times and she knew about that because she was living with her mom. But she just had no idea that her dad had like a continued life. I don't know. It's so weird to me that they've made this of like he had a whole nother family. It's like, okay, but mm-hmm. when did y'all get divorced? Like was he having an affair and like actually having a secret family? Like That's what I'm I- thinking. I need to know more. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking it's secret family situation because, like, he did travel a lot. He was always gone. And obviously what we learn, you know, like, because Kelly is rightfully, like, shocked. And so when she's telling Donna about the dinner, she kind of, like, she even admits, she's like, I didn't stay because it was weird. Like, I didn't know what what to do. You know, and and she starts thinking, like, well, this is her fault because she just assumes that, Whenever her dad wasn't around, whenever her dad was lying to her, whenever he was dipping out on her, he was going to visit Joy and his other secret family. And now this is what gets confusing because, you know, later on we find out Joy essentially has the same feelings as Kelly. So I'm like, so he just sucks. He just never like, so he was leaving Kelly to not go see Joy and he was leaving Joy to not go see Kelly. So what was he? So he just sucks. He's horrible. He's Buffy's dad. I do really love Joy's comment of like, there could be a whole field hockey team of us. Right? Like, yeah. There could be. Apparently, Bill Taylor is just a a garbage man. Like, he just Mm -hmm. sucks. He, Mm -hmm. like, they make the comment of having the same earrings and the same scarf and all this stuff. And yeah, he apparently just like, I don't know, gives his secretary a number and is like, this is how many daughters I have this year. Go buy presents. Yeah. I need this many scarves sent to 18 different addresses like (laughs) I bet he doesn't even say scarves he's just like I need 18 presents and the secretary is like all right I did scarves last year this year it'll be earrings for everyone's birthday presents I'll go buy 18 of this and then we'll dole them out through the year yeah it's like he's gonna have to detail their ages but like he doesn't probably know them so his assistant has just been tracking this you know for the longest time so they understand like how old his daughters are well, and that's why they just get accessories. They don't have to figure out like, yeah. okay, how big is this child? Like, does she wear right. adult sizes or does she wear kid sizes? Because you know he'd be like, I don't know. She's right. She's my daughter. She's between the ages of sixteen and nineteen. She's a daughter. <laughs> yeah, the fact that they even get earrings. I'm like, you know, there's got to be a spreadsheet where the secretary is like, okay, this one has pierced ears. This one doesn't have pierced ears. Oh my god. like sounds terrible and this is what's so interesting too is like we talk about bill you know just being absolutely terrible and obviously kelly at first is just finding the situation weird totally understand that sentiment but donna is in here being like well it's really not her fault you know it's your dad's like maybe you'll like her and at first i'm like okay yes donna but that's not the point like right now we're upset Mm-hmm. We don't need reason at this moment. But at the same time, I understand where Donna's coming from. She's just trying to 
show reason. She's trying to show um, bright sides. Like, that's just what Donna does. But Mm -hmm. I actually had a second thought around why Donna was reacting that way. And I have formulated in my head that Donna is definitely the blood is thicker than water kind of gal. And she's the, it's family. So that's why she gives Felice such a pass. Because she's like, well, she's my mom, and I don't have another one, and I won't have another one, so I can just, in my brain, rationalize and excuse everything she does because she's my mom. And it's so relatable, like I said earlier. It's just tough because then you then you are excusing certain bad behaviors and that's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the person who's do, who's exhibiting the bad behavior. And I think we've talked about on this podcast, how difficult it is to have hard conversations, to call out family members because they're family. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like kind of at times a different set of rules. So that's just kind of where my brain was going with Donna, because it seems like she's almost projecting from the Felice situation. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we kind of find out later, like that's a learned behavior. Like Felice always talks about how like the family is the, you know, Mm -hmm. cornerstone of society. And then actually kind of going off of that with the family aspect of it. I wonder if Donna like wants Kelly to try and have a relationship with this girl because Donna is an only child. Mm, Good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, she could have had a sister because her mom got pregnant before they were married and she doesn't have one. So I bet like getting to find out that Kelly has another sibling, she's like, oh my gosh, you have to capitalize on this. Like I don't get this chance, but you do. Especially one that's so much closer to age, Mm -hmm. you know, because obviously she has Aaron, but Aaron is 16 years younger than Kelly. And to your point, likely Donna's sibling that doesn't exist would have only been a few years older than Donna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I bet it's like a lot of stuff going in Donna's head of like this blood is thicker than water. You have to do this thing. Like I'm also yeah. going through something where like my mom is doing something I'm not happy with. So like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And this also gets to the point where Kelly says like she has to go tell her mom. She has to be like, mm-hmm. I have to be the one to go tell her that he had the secret family and another kid. Which, God, the thing that the things this show burdens Kelly with. I know. Like, uh, uh-uh. I feel so bad that this is on her. Cause like I tried to rationalize it in my head. I was like, it's not on her. Like, why does this matter? Yeah, but- like why does she have to tell Jackie? But I think she felt she had to because she's like, oh, dad was stepping out on you and had a child out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think she needs to tell Jackie because they have a close relationship and she needs to talk to somebody about having a sister. But, like, right? I hate the way they phrase it of, like, I have to go be the one to tell my mom that her husband was cheating on her so many years ago. Exactly. Exactly. But, but then, okay, so when she gets there and tells Jackie that Bill is in town and Jackie's like, you do not have to go see your father. But then Kelly's like, sit down with me. I swear to God, like, I feel like on Jackie's face, she was like, something bad happened. You you fell off the wagon. Mm-hmm. You need help. Like, what's going on here? Yes. And then and then Kelly's like, 
I have a sister and Jackie's just like, oh, um, I knew about that. Yeah, that's my bad for not telling you. <laughs> and then it blows up. Like, I totally mm-hmm. get Kelly being upset about this. Like. Me too. I can, I can see both sides of this. I can see why Kelly's pissed and I can see Jackie being like, look, I made the decision that I thought was right for you and it yes. may not have been the right one. No, yeah, I think two things can be true. I think it's totally fine for Kelly to be pissed, you know, because like in her mind, she's like when she says you wanted me to hate him as much as you hate him, totally get that perspective. I mean, for as shitty as Bill Taylor has been for the last at minimum 21, 22 years, I understand that Jackie probably holds a lot of resentment. But you can also tell like Jackie has grown so so much over the Mm -hmm. last six years you know and so I definitely believe that of course when she was influenced by alcohol and drugs she was saying things to Kelly that no parent should ever say to their child about another parent so Kelly of course held on to that for sure um and obviously Jackie has been the one to kind of pick up Kelly when Bill has done things wrong to Kelly so totally get that perspective but then of course yeah Jackie's like look I'm a human being I don't always make the right call but I stand by the call that I made at the time she can fully be like I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner but I still stand by what I did at the time I think that's totally fair Mm -hmm. yeah I mean this episode seems to like have a little bit of a mother theme happening in these moments. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of older women doing things on yeah. this episode. I feel like Jackie's the one that's like doing the best. Oh, right. I love Jackie. I also have to comment on Jackie just and and I think it's a pure coincidence. But Jackie just loves to follow whatever hair trend Kelly's doing. I know. <laughs> and actually this this look works for Jackie. I think it looks great on her. And like the light lip, like I don't know. She looks great. She looks healthy. She looks awesome. I also really love that Kelly walks in and is like, "Oh, you're really like busy with this dinner." And Jackie's like, "Yeah, I am. Do you want to eat?" Yeah. Like I just Jackie is in like healthy mom mode and I'm loving it. Love it. So we get – okay. We've got the Kelly story set up. We've got the David and Donna and family set up. Now we kind of follow Claire for a little while mm-hmm. because Claire goes over to Casa Walsh and she has this scene where, like, she's with Brandon and Val and – or no. Peach Pit. Peach Pit. So, yeah, we have the scene where Claire goes to the peach pit and she's picking up pies for the party tonight. She runs into Brandon and Val and is like, oh, how's how's present shopping going? Like, let's have a conversation while I'm picking up these pies. And I love the way this plays out where Val is like, oh, I actually, like, got Kelly something really nice. And Claire is just like, oh, cool. Great. Like, literally biting her tongue here, but can't change her face. (laughs) Yeah. She, like, this is why you go camera off in meetings, because you can't change your face. Fix your (laughs) face, Claire. Fix your face. 
And she does admit, she's like, mm, I don't think Kelly's really gotten into the spirit of Christmas, so I don't think there's any presents right now. And, and she's like, well, fine. <laughs> I love that Val is like, fine. She didn't give me a present. I'm going to unget her the present I got her. <laughs> yeah. So petty. And now everyone knows you did it. So, like, you're not on equal footing. Exactly. But this is where we find out that, like, she bought the sweater on clearance, so it's no returns, all sales final. And still, despite the fact that she is stuck with this sweater that is not going to fit her, she goes out to the woman from the Salvation Army and is just like, you guys take donations of all kinds, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she will do anything to get rid of the sweater. Yeah. Short of giving it to Kelly. Exactly. And... You know, cut ahead to that night at the faculty party where Chancellor Arnold is being real awkward. Like he literally acts acts to Samanda, Samanda, acts <laughs> to Samantha like I do anytime I meet somebody famous. Like not knowing what to say, wants to like yeet right out of there. This is my level of awkward. Like. Like, I'm surprised he didn't say something more dumb. Dumber. There we go. <laughs> Just nothing. He's so weird. And but what's what's not weird, though, is how much Samantha loves Claire. Because, like, yeah. you know, continuing on the Christmas party, like, Samantha comes up to Steve and is just like, she's so nice. She's so smart. How'd you manage that? Because she knows her son. I love that everyone acknowledges this. They're like, Steve, yeah. you couldn't have done this. What happened? Is like, she okay? Right? Like, she is so far out of his league. It is ridiculous. And they, she brings up, Samantha brings up, that Chancellor Arnold has been avoiding her. She's like, I'm having a great time. Claire is wonderful. Her dad must hate me, though. And Claire fixes this. By getting them together at the piano to sing Christmas carols together. Which, now that I know that those two are married, is the freaking cutest thing on the planet. Right? So, I kind of want to keep going with the Christmas party. Because there's just, like, this really short moment where, mm -hmm. like, they're still singing as guests are leaving. Like, people are starting to clean up the party. And Steve and Claire are really grossed out by this. And all I could think about was Riverdale. Oh, yeah, with, like, um... F.P. and Alice. Yes, 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 yes. Because got... then Betty and Jughead are just like, oh, God. We're, like, sisters. <laughs> You've got a sibling together. Yeah, I think that uh, that scene just ends with Samantha and Arnold wanting to, like, go out and get a drink together. And just being like, Claire, can you take care of this? And she's like, uh, no. I don't... No, stay here. What? And yeah, presumably Arnold and Samantha are just going to go like mingle because they do make the comment. I don't remember how it started, but Steve is just like, your dad keeps staring at my mom. And Claire is just like, well, your mom's boobs are just out there for my dad to look at. <laughs> exactly. 
It's such like a teenager, young adult thing to do, right? It's like we put our parents together and now we're grossed out that our parents are together. <laughs> like, honestly, I could see this being the thing that like officially drives Claire and Steve apart. It's just like mm-hmm. our parents got together and I just can't look at you the same. You're my brother yeah. now. Well, the party is happening. Uh, Kelly, I think it's while the party's happening, but mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, Kelly goes back to the hotel to see Joy, and yeah, this is where it kind of comes out that none of them are, neither of them are close to their dad. Like, Joy is confused because she's like, he talks about you all the time. Like, I'm shocked that when he wasn't with me, that he also wasn't with you. Yeah, exactly. And we get like a little bit of backstory on Joy. Like she's from Mexico City, but grew up in Virginia. So that's why she doesn't have an accent, which I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But yeah, right. Like Like in Mean Girls, like when (laughs) she's like, if you're from Africa, why are you white? (laughs) You can't just ask people why they're white. Ask people why they're white. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just weird. But the moral of this scene is that they just bond over how much he sucks to each other, which sucks. Yeah. It is weird to me that they also have Kelly saying that the last time he was in L.A., he said he was going to stay, he was going to sign a contract or a lease and be there. And then Joy is like, oh, well, he left because my mom needed surgery. So, like, why are you giving him that excuse right now? Like, he could have just still signed the lease and then – gone to Mexico to help your mom and then come back like I don't know it, it was weird me out. yeah go ahead it just I don't want them giving Bill excuses I don't want them humanizing him no I think that's totally fair and even if it because like let's be real like even though they're bonding over how much Bill mistreated both of them it was almost kind of like probably joy trying to say well we're the real priority mm-hmm. even though he's terrible he picked us or picked my mom or you know something like that in a weird weird way like i truly don't think bill gives a shit about either family but you know it's it's kind of that little thing like well here's a little bit of pride that i have i'm gonna hang on to it while, where i can yeah it's just a weird thing to put in this scene like i don't understand Mm -hmm. why it it wasn't necessary yeah it Mm -hmm. wasn't necessary and then we can finally get to david and donna's christmas dinner Ooh, buddy this bitch like i i don't have another word for felice other than to call her a full-on bitch because like she sucks like all terrible All of my notes are like, okay, she immediately comes in and is like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll take a glass of white wine unless you're pouring champagne. I was told I should not bring up the time that you got Donna and other children drunk on champagne. It's like, ma'am, you just did. Yeah, right? Like you bringing up the fact that you were told not to bring it up is a million times worse. And then she's like, Oh my god, I love what you've done with this condo. It's so homey for a condo. Yeah, like it's so quaint. Like it totally reminds me of the Gilmore Girls episode where Luke um has to go to the Gilmore Gilmore house and like re-meet Emily once Luke and Lorelai start dating. And like 
Emily keeps at first saying all these things to describe like Luke Steiner and his truck and beer and all this kind of stuff. And like, he doesn't see it as anything wrong. He thinks Emily's just being nice, but Lorelai's like, nope, uh, beer is code for nitwit juice. And <laughs> then like later on, he's like, um, Emily goes, would you like another beer, Luke? And he like starts to take a sip and he's like, he immediately like puts it down. Like, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, like, at least Emily was a little more subtle. That's the thing. She was just blatantly, like, uh, kind of fucking, like, terrible. Yeah. Like, she, I, like, I, <laughs> we're clearly words. at a loss. <laughs> no words. Because then the icing on the cake, like, mm. and it's not even, like, the full icing on the cake. It's just where I was just, like, this is where I wrote, she's a bitch in my notes, is when she gets up mm -hmm. to the tree and is like, you know, I almost brought you an ornament, but I didn't even know if you'd have one, you know, with Mel being Jewish and all. It's Which, like, like, what? Uh, like, 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 there's so <laughs> many things to unpack there because not, like, first of all, acting as though Christianity is some sort of superior religion is, is bold. Um, but then secondly, making assumptions based on one's religion is terrible. And number three, forgetting that, oh, no, this is a two-parent household. Maybe Mel can be Jewish. And also Jackie could be non-religious at all and want a tree. Like, also, I know plenty, not that this matters at all, but there are plenty of like Jewish families out there. And I'm not going to speak for all Jewish families because obviously I'm not Jewish, so I don't know. But like when you have young children, there are certain aspects of the holidays that you want to have for your children so that they're like not having to tell their friends and be the quote unquote weird one or whatever. And it's like also when did a Christmas tree become strictly like, like for Christianity alone? It's a tree it, in a house, okay? <laughs> well, and, like, the Christians stole it from the pagans. Like, right. Like, but it's, just, like, you could have just asked Donna, do they have a tree? Should I bring an ornament? What about a bottle of wine? What should I bring? See, Is this okay? Yeah, that's the thing. Felice never tries to accommodate anybody. She must always be the one to be accommodated. Like, mm -hmm. she does not, like... If you are not conforming to whatever she wants, she is going to call it out and act like it's the most offensive thing to her. When in reality, she is offending every single person in this room. She's a, like, I don't know how John stays with her. And I just yeah. remember that his name is John. I can't believe that came out of my mouth <laughs> since we call him Dr. Dad. Yeah, I can only call him Dr. Dad because I can't remember his name because he's Dr. Dad. And yeah, like, <laughs> The fact that he doesn't blow up at her, he has such decorum. He is trying so hard because, mm -hmm. like, I don't know when it is, but Donna and David get up to, like, go get the hors d'oeuvres, and they're like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Just breathe. They'll figure it out. And while they're gone, all of this happens, and then Felice, like, this is the tip of the scene. Like, it has just mm -hmm. been building and building and building. Felice looks at Jackie and Mel and is like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that y'all figured your stuff out and you're together again. And they're like, just to clarify, 
we are still divorced. Like, yeah, like we're not married. And she's Felice, like, but you have a child. Feliz cannot understand. And Mel is like, it ain't broke. Why would we try to fix it? Like, I loved that comment. I loved it. It broke her brain. Felice does not get it. She's like, I mean, it's confusing. Two religions, married, not married. No wonder David's a little mixed up. I was like, uh, excuse me, ma'am. I Mrs. I'm the wife of a doctor. I understand things. Like, if it must be that Jackie is just so zen all the time now, because season one, perfect mom Jackie would have bitch slapped her like straight up just been like you get out my house but not before I kick you in the ass like and Felice would have deserved every second of it 100% oh my god right (laughs) seriously multiple people like this woman enough to have relationships with her so just for context, listeners, Mary threw in our chat, how did this woman find someone to cheat on her husband with? We have forgotten. Felice is an adulterer. And she's like, oh, but you have a child. Like, <laughs> ma'am, go read your Bible again and tell me what commandment I think number seven is. No adultery. Oh my God, I hope <laughs> you really got the number of the commandment correct. I'm checking it right now. <laughs> I think that was, you shall not kill, but, you know, same thing. Kill a marriage. I was going to say, a murder has been committed in this house with her. Oh my god, it is seven. (laughs) My mother would be so proud. Right? I feel like we should, like, call someone right now and be like, hey, you know all those years of Catholic school? Guess what? Right? Like, I legitimately want to be like, hey, mom, go listen to episode 972 of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. And that's it. That's, like, the end of that scene. Donna and David come back in and are like, oh, no, it got worse. Which, understatement. Like, it got, like, DEFCON 1. Yeah. That was bad. And, like... I do wish we had stayed on that seat because, yeah, I could see Jackie and Mel being like, you need to leave. And like, so, okay, I have to ask your opinions on this because, so, okay, I am a lover but also a fighter. So there's a little bit of like souse and spice in me that I can't shake. As we know, my husband is a strongly worded email kind of guy or a no confrontation kind of guy. And so a lot of times when people say offensive things, I want to fight. Like I, especially if it's like people that I know very well, like I I just want to be like, you're so wrong for so many levels. Here's why. And like get into it. My husband would be like, all they want is to get a rise out of you. All they want is a reaction. That's what they want. So my question to you guys is, if somebody were to combat Felice here, if somebody were to say, like, at this dinner, say Jackie or say Mel or David or Donna, literally Dr. Dad, anyone in the scene, if they would have called her out or if they would have said anything, like, contradictory to what she was saying, do you think that ultimately feeds into what Felice wants 
or would it be productive? I think if Jackie or Mel had called her out, then I think Dr. Dad would have tried to like smooth it out, keep the peace. And I do think Felice would have been like, see, this is the behavior that goes on in your house. Okay. Yeah. Because that is the double-edged sword sometimes, right? Is that if you act and it's not irrationally because it's a much called called for reaction if Mel or Jackie were to have one of them, but Felice is a master manipulator. She's a narcissist who would very much then scoop to, mm, well, now we know where David gets his temper, like stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We will get to more Felice manipulation in mm-hmm. a little bit because, ma'am. But it's like, what do you, so what do you do? You, because you I can, don't like, think you can do anything. You, yeah, because like, it's like, if you, if you don't say anything, then that almost tells her her behavior is tolerated. Even if it's not really, but it's like allowed to happen without fight. But like we just said, if you do fight, you're then knocked back. I don't know. Like, what, like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, like there's no winning in any situation with her because if you do retaliate in any way, she's going to twist it so that she's the victim in the situation. Exactly. Which like I classic narcissist behavior. And I bet that's part of why they cut that scene at that point to be yeah. like, we can't get out of this without escalating it further. So mm-hmm. like the viewers are just going to have to understand that it got real bad and the night ended somewhere or another. Yeah. The night ended. Yeah. And it's fair. Cause like, yeah, it's a narcissist. You can't reason with her. There is no way out of this scene in an easy, fast way. Mm-hmm. Not that would make Felice redeemable. Not right, that I think right. she is. I think she is a trash can. I cannot stand when she shows up. I agree. And and I don't think I th- – okay. I don't want to say that she is completely irredeemable. However, the amount of work it would take for her to do is – it feels insurmountable. So, you know, it's like, I don't want to be the kind of person that's like, nope, that person will never, ever be redeemed because I would love to believe that she could. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that the, 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 just the amount of work that she would have to do both in therapy, the amount of amends she would need to make, the trust she would have to then rebuild with every single person in her life to show that New Felice is not only better Felice, but like is consistent and is real and is not just a one-off to like then appease that person and get them back into her life. It's it's such a wide gap for her to like cross that it's like you're not irredeemable. It's just a very tall order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I don't want to say she's irredeemable. Like you have a good point. Like, oh, and yeah. We'll talk about that later. Like, I actually – there's a bunch of, like, really short scenes again that I feel like we can pretty much yeah. kind of breeze through because we've talked about a lot of it. Like, we see Kelly and Joy go shopping together where they realize that their dad has gotten them the same presents over and over again. And realistically, it was his secretary, not him. Uh, Val comes home from shopping and Brandon says that Kelly bought her something, so she has to run back out. The – sweater is now gone because it was on clearance and they don't have any spares 
But the Salvation Army lady gives her a different present and is like, here, give this to her. Mm -hmm. Then there's, you know, a little runner where Steve and Claire and Tracy and Brandon are all decorating and drinking eggnog. And that basically ends with Brandon taking Tracy back to campus and, again, being like, we don't really know what we are to each other. Yeah. He drove her back to campus but won't go inside, and she knows that he didn't have to drive her back because there was no alcohol in the eggnog. Like, she would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But they talk about, like, how they really struggle to buy presents for each other, and then they mouth kiss. And it's very clearly not a platonic mouth kiss, but, like – Yeah, like, I'm a little over it when it comes to the, like, oh, we don't, we we both are confused, and we both don't know where we stand, but we won't talk about it. Yeah. You know, like, they talked about it that one time, many moons ago, it feels like, but it's like, they're not really actually talking about it and divining things, and I'm not saying they have to put a label on it, but just at the very least, like, be on the same page about not being on the same page, that would be okay with me. Let's get back to Felice because she does get a little bit of a comeuppance, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know how the dinner ended last night, but we know this night is Christmas Eve and Donna just didn't show up to dinner with her parents. Yeah. And Felice, I feel like she does a very Felice thing where she shows up to give Donna grief for not showing up to dinner and is like, okay, so maybe I behaved badly. Like, but I think it's a very, I'm sorry you feel that way apology. And she asks, she asks Donna to apologize to David. And Donna's like, no, I'm not doing this for you. And she's like, yeah, if you want to apologize to somebody, apologize to Dr. Dad and, or no, not Dr. Dad, to Mel and Jackie. And like, That's the thing. She apologizes for her behavior to Donna, but then wants to cop out of every other apology that she owes to everyone else. Like, and I think it's like kind of, I think it's kind of the narcissistic thing again, where she's just like, I'm not going to do the apologizing. Like, I'm going to manipulate you to do the apologizing for me. Like, I don't have to do that. Yeah. Like, it just, Again, it's like somebody who's never really felt like they've ever needed to apologize for anything only wants to apologize because she thinks she's going to, like, lose her daughter, but even still can't figure out how to properly apologize because they still don't really think they actually did anything wrong. Um, And, I mean, God, even Donna – like, Donna has decided, like, no, this is is the last straw with this because she then brings up, like, police paying off Ray – I know. Like, I love Donna standing up for herself in this moment because she's like, yeah, you're trying to break us up, which you've done before. Don't try to hide it. And then she calls Felice anti-Semitic, and I'm just saying that Felice did not deny it. I know. And, like, Felice like has the nerve to say that all of this is done to, like, protect Donna. And it's like, um... I hate the whole protecting thing. Like, she didn't ask for your protection. No. 
And like I like when Felice is like maybe when you're adult enough to learn that a boy with mental health and drug problems isn't the man for you. And like yeah, that's when Donna basically accuses her of being anti-Semitic. But for me, it's like I think a lot of Felice's generation and to an extent the boomer generation, which I can't would this still be boomers? Would Felice be a boomer? I th- think so i think technically she'd probably be like born in the 50s ish because then donna if it's 1986 and we'll say donna's 22 74 and we know yeah. that felice had her not young but like i feel like 24 would be a reasonable age for felice to, to have, have had her okay. like i i think i don't know the exact years but mm-hmm. I do think you could say that the parents on this show are from the boomer generation. Just perhaps early boomer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say that they are late silent generation. Is that what it is? Silent generation and then early I think boomers? So. Yeah. I think okay. so. So let's just, I think that generation specifically has a lot of issue with being able to not only give second chances, but then also – see the forest through the trees like Mm -hmm. donna is a gen xer and i feel like gen xers did deal with a lot of these bigger issues that were a product of their upbringing um and so like i mean we've seen every single one of these children children yes young adults with the exception of donna go through and probably well no even brandon did go through some sort of substance abuse whether Mm -hmm. it was drinking and driving for brandon literal cocaine for kelly meth for david you know like all this kind of stuff so anyway my point is is i think this generation has a really hard time seeing that somebody can go through something and then understand that they can leave it in the past because i think this generation because they're not used to going to therapy they're not used to learning about mental health and things like and rehab and things like that there's all this stigma around these like taboo topics that they're just like well to in my mind david will always be a former drug addict and or not even former just a drug addict and somebody with mental health problems mm-hmm. and so don is like you can't just like label a person like that and move on and I yeah. almost think it's a level of projecting because Felice knows she's a narcissist and knows she can't change or is not even willing to entertain the idea of changing. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you because, like, my mom falls in that boomer generation and, like, when she found out I had a tattoo, which was before she found out I had several tattoos, she was just <laughs> like, tattoos are for sailors and criminals. And this was in, like... <laughs> 2014. Oh my god. She was pissed at me. Sailors. Sailors. Sailors and criminals. I'm just stuck on sailors, man. Like, sailors. As if that's such a common profession these days. Well, and like, I also just want to be like, what's wrong with being a sailor, mom? Right? Like, they get to travel the world. (laughs) And then I feel like because also the boomer generation should be like, there's nothing wrong with being a sailor. I know plenty of sailors. 
Oh my God, right? <laughs> like that's probably like, what your mom says now because her baby girl has tattoos. <laughs> She's probably like, I'm not sailist. I have lots of sailor friends. But it's like that thing. Like, yeah, Felice mm-hmm. cannot let this go that David has had substance abuse issues. Like, mm-hmm. in her mind, that's not going to go away. He's not good enough for her daughter. And therefore, she's going to manipulate the situation because she knows better. And, like, yeah, you know, it, maybe it's overgeneralizing to say that that has to do with that generation. But then, like, the fact that I have a genuine experience in my own life makes me think, like, we can say, like, not all boomers. Hashtag oh, not all boomers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No. And it's I think a stereotype. Going, yes. And my point there was, like, I think it's more common in that generation because they didn't have as much knowledge. Like, yeah, it is. I think it's fair to say that I say this all the time, but like two things can be true. Mm-hmm. Boomers can behave a certain way and it's wrong. And the reason they started feeling that way could have been because of a lack of knowledge that they couldn't help. Like there are things that were much out of their control, but now there's no excuse now. You know, it's kind of like that, like, oh, well, don't tell your grandpa that you're moving in with your fiance and you're not married, like, da-da-da, because, well, that's just the way he is, like, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, like, just because that's the way he's always been for 70, 80 years doesn't mean he can't change. You know, yeah. maybe he doesn't want to, maybe he doesn't understand it, but, like, just because you don't understand Chinese as a language doesn't make it not a language, you know, so... Yeah, I think in this regard, Felice just really sucks. And I think it's a product of her generation as well as a product of her being reticent to change. Yeah. And I love Donna challenging her on that of just like, if you're not going to change, you can go away. I'm not interested. And I think this is like, to put a a finer point on my point earlier, was that with somebody like Felice, I think this is the sort of thing that would make a difference is Mm -hmm. Donna being like, I'm distancing myself right? Like it's not retaliation and it's not ignoring it. It's an actual action that causes that other person to lose. And and I don't mean lose in a competition way. I mean, lose as in like, lose something valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Because also like we know Felice loves Donna. It's a twisted way, but she does love Donna. She's her only child, but also she values Donna because she knows she can manipulate Donna. So that Mm. is something that Felice, like if she's losing her only daughter who she loves, she's also losing a chess piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like to kind of wrap up this scene, like speaking of Felice being manipulative, she does go to leave and it's just like, Oh, but if you don't show up to Christmas tomorrow, you're going to kill your father. Right? Like what kind of parent says that to their child? Well, and I think it's because Felice understands, like, she's probably gone a step too far and is losing her, so she needs to do that thing to bring her back because, like, yeah, like you said, like, this is kind of the thing that's going to make Donna stop. Like, you know, she brings up Felice trying to break up her and Ray, but that was just money. That wasn't, like, being anti-Semitic and, like, showing up to Ray's house and, like, talking shit to his mother. Like, yeah, I feel like there's – that was, like – that was a horrible thing to do, but, like, we have gone to the point of, like, offensive. Yes, exactly. And, like, double down after double down. Yeah. And 
we actually do see the next day, it's Christmas, it's Donna's birthday. She's with her friends. She's not with her family. Mm-hmm. Well, she's with her found family, friend family. Family. <laughs> I do love that the first thing we see is her trying to open her birthday present. She's like, oh my God, guys, you didn't have to do this for me. She's like Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift was born, or I guess she has been born at this point, but like, you know what I mean? Like, she's very much like, I am so shocked. Oh my God. I won another Grammy. (laughs) And I love, she's like, it's my birthday. I can be humble. Open the present. Mm -hmm. Love it. And I actually really love that they got her a charm bracelet and I was dying to know what charm each of them got her. Yeah. But instead, like, we just see that she got the charm bracelet. It was like, I think it was like David's idea. And then they all got her a charm. She immediately puts it on. And then it's time for everybody else to do their presents. So I think I got them all. Um, Steve and Nat had each other. Nat got the cookbook. Steve got a thesaurus because – they both don't understand each other, so they laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. David got two tickets to the Monkees reunion show because there's more to music than rap, which is such an old person thing to say. It like, is. And I, I don't understand appreciate- your music. Well, and it, and I would appreciate it if it was a genuine, like, I know you love music, so I want to share this with you. But no, it's like, I'm going to diss your music, so I'm going to force you to listen to other music. <laughs> and then he's like, fine, have some Kleenex. But I do love that he was like, I'm a believer. Thank you. Because that's a monkey song. So. So weird. And then Tracy gets earrings. Brandon gets a ballpoint pen. Great. Which is just very generic presence, but like yep. does work for them. Yep. Donna got a book about fashion. Claire got tickets to an art museum. Loved that. Thought that, that was a one, great gift exchange. Yeah. Which. Go figure. They live together. They're best friends. Right. <laughs> they actually knew what to do with each other. They were like one of the few pairings that was genuinely excited to have each other in the gift exchange. Yeah. And then we get to Val and Kelly and I swear the entire friend group is like bracing for impact. Right? Like, I feel like Brandon started sweating. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go just like get a bucket of water in case I need to stop something. Here, I have all these, like, towels here. No reason. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Val opens her gift. It's a journal. Didn't know Val journaled. Also kind of looked like a planner, so I was like, oh, okay, she got a planner. Yeah, and I was actually thinking it definitely was because of her pee pad business. Like, That's what I thought. Let me help you keep track of your appointments and your bookings and all that stuff. Yeah, but then, you know, Val gives Kelly her present, and Kelly makes this comment. She's like, I really like this journal. If there had been another one, I would have bought it for myself. Mm-hmm. And then she opens the surprise present that came from Mrs. Claus, and it's the same journal, the one that she wanted. The eyes. I was watching the eyes of each of Kelly and Val this entire time, and I was like, I have seen this before, and it is in a show called Supergirl. <laughs> I know those looks. <laughs> and they hugged. Yeah. Physical contact. Looks. We're starting. We're we're getting there. Brandon was like, whoa, whoa. He was freaking out. <laughs> and honestly, same. Same. And then they're like, okay, okay, we got a concert to get to. We gotta go. And we find out 
the reason this is on the DVDs is because there's yes. a Christmas show at the pee pad. Yes. And it's basically just like a wrap up scene. Like Chancellor Arnold and Samantha show up together. Felice and Dr. Martin show up to apologize to David. And we find out that Felice did go apologize to Mel and Jackie. Mm-hmm. Actually, I do love that Dr. Dad is like, David, we have something to say to you. And Felice is like, no, this is my apology. I'm like, yeah, it is, actually. Finally. Good Lord. So what I do think is interesting is, you know, she tells David she apologized to his parents. She says it's her apology to make. But then she asks him to go ask Donna if she'll sit with them. Mm-hmm. And then when David goes over there, he doesn't tell Donna that her mom apologized to him and his parents. Yeah. I Yeah. Because there's – yes, there's a couple things there, right? It's like Felice – manipulating David to go get David to solve her problem for her. Classic mm-hmm. Felice. She really hasn't learned anything. But yeah, I think it also definitely would have been helpful because Felice didn't come over and apologize to Donna and say that she apologized to everybody else. It does like, it doesn't make complete sense why Donna would go over there except for the fact that David said do it for me, right? Yeah. Which like, it, it's not manipulative what he's doing but given everything else that's happened specifically with Felice like I feel like Donna would maybe be on edge and be like why does everybody say that like her actual words are it's my birthday and I don't have to do anything I don't want to do and then Mm -hmm. David's like we'll do it for me like right so then she's immediately forced into doing something she doesn't want to do that's what I mean like I don't think that's where he came from at all like I know that's not where he's coming from I just hate how it's written agreed Mm mm-hmm like this specifically, I feel like they they took Felice really either close to the edge or like pushed her over the edge of a cliff and mm-hmm. then just like had to write themselves out of it and did it real fast. Exactly. Yeah. And then Joy comes to the pee pad and sits with Kelly and this is where Mel and Jackie see her for the first time and it's a whole like – Jackie goes over to the girls and introduces herself and is like, oh, it's so good to see you together and, like, wraps that all up, too. Yeah, and, like, you know, Kelly is still a little, like, icy toward Jackie because of what happened, but this is a good example of a, of a mom being able to adequately apologize to their daughter mm-hmm. while still also maintaining – Like, she wasn't trying to drive home the fact that I was right, I was right, or I stand by my decision, but I I am genuinely sorry for how I made you feel today and yesterday and all this. And I am really happy to see you two happy kind of thing. Like, that's how an apology should go. (laughs) Yeah. And I also really like that she and Joy go to shake hands and it's like a firm handshake, like – Mm-hmm. It's actually like there is intention in this interaction versus I feel like Felice just does things to get things her way. I also love that Jackie was like, I'm big enough to admit that I had my own agenda back then. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like, I don't know that I've ever heard. I don't know. Maybe I have, but that is not what you normally think of when you think of a parent apologizing. Like, Agreed. I think I've just been conditioned, but like when Mel was like, just be honest, 
before Jackie walked over to them. And the fact that she was, I was like, I yearn for that, right? Like, I want that. And I'm so glad that that's what this episode ended on and not Felice and David and Donna and all that because, like, yeah, that left a sour taste in my mouth. And then you get to Jackie and Joy and Kelly, and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. this is nice. I like this. This is how I want uh, Christmas to end. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that's it. That's the episode. Another Christmas in Beverly Hills has come and gone. I think the only thing that would have been more like on brand for this episode would have been if the Mrs. Claus Salvation Army lady showed up at the pee pad. Oh my God. Agreed. And like had a twinkle in her eye or like winked at Val or something like that. (laughs) Or like, yeah, she makes the comment how her husband works on Christmas Eve. It's his busiest night. And then she shows up and he's very clearly like got a white beard and a belly. Exactly. So obvious. I wonder if they were like, we just can't do that anymore. (laughs) Like, we just can't. The internet's out there now. We know what people think about Christmas episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. But okay. Do you have a quote of the week? I think I do. Yeah. Let me let me find it. Oh, I also realized in my notes, I actually wrote oh. down that Mark was very specifically called, like, not in this episode. Everybody else is in this episode, but Mark's already left for vacation. Yes. I was like, okay. they're already writing him out. I have I have a quote of the week, and I will admit it. I will admit it is not like there's a specific reason why I liked it and it actually has nothing to do with the episode. Okay. It probably doesn't help you at all, but just know that this is kind of like an off the wall one for me. Okay. Well then I don't feel confident in anything I have written down. So that's okay. Just tell me your favorite quotes. All right, so I've got when Mel first goes to meet David at the pee pad and he goes, I could use some advice. And Mel just goes, floss regularly in his (laughs) Mel way. Right, because he's a dentist. (laughs) And then when David goes to tell Donna about inviting her parents to dinner and she goes, I'm kissing you and you're thinking about my mother. (laughs) Classic. And then when Valerie finds out that Kelly has not bought her a gift yet, so she goes to return it. And Brandon says, this is Valerie and Kelly we're talking about. It's not as simple as the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. Um, I wrote down a not quote from, like, the first scene in this episode. Um, when he's talking to Steve and he says, the only time you open your mouth is to change feet. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about that one. I thought that's that was a so good funny. One. That's a good one. And yeah, I think that's the only thing I actually quoted. It's fair. That's fair. Because mine is none of those, which is not a surprise because I said it was off the wall. But okay. It was when Kelly and Joy were shopping together and they were like bonding over presents and stuff. Like the ones that Bill got them. And they talked about the scarf. And Joy was like, ugh. Mine was orange, which is so not my color. And Kelly says, first of all, orange is nobody's color. And and I liked it for two different reasons. 
one because the Tennessee Alabama game was yesterday. <laughs> and even though Tennessee won, it just reminded me of how much I hate that stupid orange. Like to quote um, Leanne Tui from The Blind Side, like, I will not wear that color orange. It is a gaudy color and I will not wear it or something like that. Like the, something she says um, that. And then number two, because it made me think of Legally Blonde. When Elle is like, um, whoever said that orange was the new pink was seriously disturbed. <laughs> That's what I thought of. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Mary, what about you? Do you have a moment? Uh, Yeah, and it's really dumb. Um, It's also Nat and Steve. I don't know what they did to me this week, but um, Nat gives Steve a thesaurus for Christmas, and Steve is like, I don't know what to say. And Nat's just like, that's why I gave it to you. <laughs> it's like, that's what this is for. <laughs> They're just so goofy. Mm-hmm. I do love it. I kind of hope that that thesaurus comes up another time where Steve is like, he's got like a word of the day calendar kind of thing going. Or like, I love he's that. In- He's like in one of his finals and he just has his thesaurus on his desk or something. Yeah, it's just like in the background for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. I just thought of Clueless with Brittany Murphy just talking to what's his name? Fuck. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd. Yeah, I the think. stepbrother. Yeah. It's yeah. Bad. Um, and she's just like trying to use her word of the week or whatever. And she's like, I hope not sporadically. <laughs> I want that for Steve. And yeah, maybe next week he'll have an expanded vocabulary when we cover our next episode. Which is <laughs> season seven, episode 14, Jobbed. Job. Jobbed. J-O-B-B-E-D. I don't I mean I don't know if that's actually a word. We need to consult Steve's thesaurus. <laughs> I mean, I guess does that mean that people are going to get jobs? Like Brandon has had a job, but not really anybody else for more than like a day. It is the turn of the new year, so Maybe some New Year's resolutions is for, like, Valerie to make the pee pad profitable. I don't know. We'll see. I was going to it could have to do with David buying the pee pad and having to yeah. get involved in it. Sure. But, yeah, that's really my only guess. So, we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. You can also send us over an email if you'd like with all of your questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and then we can give you all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week. From all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go buy the same pair of earrings for my entire field hockey team. I have to go buy a sweater, return a sweater, donate a sweater, and try to get it back all in one day. 
I gotta go make sure my parent doesn't fall in love with my significant other's parent. Bye! Bye! See ya.